hello again and welcome back to looking at Psalm 23. Psalm 23, as I said, is one of those really well-known passages which even people who aren't Christians are kind of familiar with. And they're possibly familiar with the person who wrote it as well. David, a king of Israel, who started his life as a shepherd. David was one of those people who seemed to have it all. He was good looking. uh, He was very musical. I mean, he wrote and played his own material, but he wasn't a wuss. He was a good fighter and he loved God with all his heart. He was the kind of man you'd want to be if you were a bloke or the kind of man you'd want your daughter to bring home if you're a mum. But why did he write songs? Well, this song is one of the songs that were used by Israel in their worship. As today, they sang songs to express their emotions honestly to God, but also to shape their emotions, to speak truth that would actually change them on the inside. It was a way of sharing one another's experiences and standing with one another in our struggles. And they were also designed to inspire trust and confidence in God. So this isn't to be picked apart too much, studied in depth too much, but to be meditated on, to be allowed to enter our heart and our mind and our spirit to bring us confidence in God. This is a good time to deepen our confidence and trust in God's loving care, even in the middle of continuing difficult circumstances. And David used an image and an experience that he was really familiar with. He was the youngest son out of eight. And in his time, the sons used to take it in turns to look after the sheep if their father owned any. And the responsibility would be passed down from the eldest to the youngest, which is why David ended up looking after the family's sheep. And that's the main image that he uses here in this psalm or song. Today, we're just going to look at the very first verse. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want or lack anything. There are two simple, definite statements here. And the second depends on the first. What this psalm is going to tell us is that the quality of our life depends directly on who or what we give our allegiance to. So we'll look at these two halves of the verse in turn. First of all, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, if you're thinking at all about this verse, you'll realise that if the Lord is my shepherd, then I'm a sheep. Uh, Now, that's not a very flattering image for us today. When we use it of people, we imply that they're a bit easily led, that they can't really think for themselves. It wasn't really a very flattering image in the Old Testament either. It implied that people who were timid, uh, sometimes silly, sometimes willful and certainly stubborn with some justification. And we don't really like that image of ourselves as people. We all want to imagine that we are independent of thought and wise in our decision making. But the truth is that we are all led shaped, influenced, owned, if you like, by something. And we need to acknowledge that consciously or else we will be influenced unconsciously. None of us can entirely escape being shaped by the knowledge of our time 
or by our time's cultural values. You only have to think back to some ancient societies to see how that is true. If you and I had been born in ancient Greece, we would believe that certain groups of people could rise from the dead and we would make sure we dismembered their bodies and weighted them down with stones in their grave to prevent them from doing that. We would believe that paedophile relationships between older men and boys were normal and should be arranged by that boy's father. We would, arrange, uh, we would believe that unwanted babies should be abandoned in the streets, uh, that a woman's womb could wander around her body, and that the earth was a flat disk. I wonder what people in future times will look back at our time and say, how on earth could they believe that? But in addition to what we absorb from our culture, we also choose to allow certain people more influence over us by watching things, by reading things, by spending time with people. Everything that we watch or read or spend time on communicates a view about what is important and what is true. The worrying thing is that most people uh, follow entertainment figures and sports stars as their role models these days. I wonder if you can guess who has come top of the people followed on social media platforms over the last five years. Is it Barack Obama? Is it some philosopher? No, it's Cristiano Ronaldo with 400 million followers over the last five years, closely followed by Justin Bieber, Ariana Grande, Taylor Swift and Rihanna. And if you don't know who any of those people are, like me, you're probably over 40 and not very into social media. But who should we follow? Following someone means learning from them taking advice and instruction from them, wanting their good opinion and imitating their life. In other words, modelling ourselves on them. And who you choose to follow is important. I don't know about you, but if I'm going to follow anybody, model my life on someone, then I want to choose someone who is, first of all, the kind of person I would want to become, someone who has the ability and the power to help me when I need that, but also somebody who cares deeply for me as a person. That is why David boasted that the Lord was his shepherd. He knew he'd made the right choice because he knew that God was good in all his ways, that God had the power to help him when he was in trouble and that God loved him personally and deeply. And Jesus our picture of what God does look like when wrapped up as a human being, called himself the good shepherd. So what is a good shepherd like? We need to think our way back into an ancient Near Eastern shepherd's life here, or else we won't get the full richness of the imagery that David is using. Well, first of all, A good shepherd in David's time would know the terrain and he would know the seasons. He would have to lead his sheep out every day to where there was grazing and water to be found. Don't imagine the UK here with plenty of rain. Remember, this is the Middle East and the ground is very often arid and dry. 
Not only that, but shepherds weren't really allowed to use the lush valleys as their pasture ground because that was used for crops. So they would have to take their sheep up into the dry, mountainous regions. The skill of the shepherd was in knowing where there might have been some rain or some moisture to let the grass grow there. He would also know when the weather was coming in, when to lead his sheep to a protective area, when to bring them down from the high ground to protect them even further in the winter. And that teaches us that God knows what's going on. We don't know the future. We don't know where things are going in our life. And we can get taken by surprise. But God is never taken by surprise. He will have us where we need to be if we listen and we follow him. A good shepherd also protects their flock from danger. Now, in David's time, unlike the UK now, for example, um, predators were a big problem. David himself said that he had had to fight off a lion and a bear while he was looking after his sheep. And he only had a slingshot and a club to protect his flock. The shepherd would sleep with his sheep in a temporary sheepfold at night so that they could sleep in peace, knowing that he was alert and ready to protect them if necessary. And those sheep had to stay close. If they were attacked, the shepherd would protect them, but they couldn't panic and scatter or else that would make them more vulnerable. Well, we don't have lions and bears now, but shepherds still have to protect their flock and rely on their flock trusting them to keep them safe from danger. Just have a look at this little clip of a modern-day shepherd in Amman leading his sheep through a city. Isn't that an amazing clip? Did you see how those sheep didn't stray from his side and didn't get ahead of him and even in that noise did not panic? If you're feeling that things are precarious or out of control, if you are feeling panicked, and if you're feeling far away from God, go back to the shepherd's side. Trust him. Stick close. Jesus said that he's not like the hired hand who runs away when bandits or bears attack, because we are his sheep. For him, it's personal. We can even sleep well, knowing that he never sleeps. Thirdly, the good shepherd knows his sheep individually and intimately. The Middle Eastern shepherd was always with his sheep. I've taken numerous walks during lockdown through numerous fields of sheep. I haven't seen one shepherd. But in the Middle East in David's time, he was always with his sheep. Even today, shepherds of smallish flocks in the Middle East don't even always have to count their sheep at the end of the day. They know their sheep so well that they just know if one's missing or is not right. It just feels wrong. God sees us. He knows us. He knows when something is not right. He's always with us, even when we are not aware of it. And if we spend enough time with the shepherd... And if we act on what he's saying to us, then we will begin to know his voice too. 
a PhD student from Durham University went to Israel recently and she saw three shepherds near Bethlehem meet up with their flocks and they stopped to have a chat and while they were chatting those flocks mingled and merged together in a great big bleating flock and she wondered how those sheep would ever get untangled again but as soon as the shepherds were ready to go they called to their own sheep and the three flocks miraculously parted and went back to their shepherd and followed them knowing exactly where they were supposed to be going Fourthly, the shepherd cares for the sheep according to their needs. When a shepherd was out far from from his home, sometimes the young or the sick or the weak would need carrying. In hot weather, the sheep would need shade and the shepherd would have to lead them there. And sometimes when the streams dried up, he would draw water from a well. If one of them was straying, He would use his slingshot just to let fly a stone and put it in just the right place to startle the sheep back to the rest of the flock. And he will pay attention to the parasites and the diseases which they could be afflicted with and which would make them miserable. It's an illustration of God's tender care for us. You know, when we are really on our uppers, when things are looking bad, when we are feeling miserable, when we are feeling At the end of our rope, God will look after us. I have a friend whose testimony was that they were going through such a crisis that they felt they couldn't help themselves at all or make any decisions. God provided them with a job and a house and even a Christmas tree when they needed it because he cares about all the details of our life. And finally, the good shepherd pays the price of caring for his sheep. The good shepherd buys his sheep, pays for them. And not just the strong and attractive ones, but the weak, the lame, the skinny ones. And he'll nurture them to health and strength. Just as Jesus paid the price on the cross with his own life to buy us back from sin and death. In John 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. All of this care and love is available if we commit to the right master. But we have to commit to one master. Jesus in Matthew 6 said that we value what we love. And what we love, we serve. And there he was talking about money, but it is true of anything. We cannot know the provision and the care and the guidance of our shepherd if we do not also acknowledge his authority in our priorities and our decision making. This passage is saying to us, will we serve our own comfort, success, pleasure and self-fulfillment or will we serve and follow him? And the second part of the verse says that if we do, we shall not want. This is only partly referring to God's provision for our material needs, although we can trust him for those. Matthew 6, 31 to 32 says, Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? 
for the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus had everything he needed, but he never had a home of his own. He never took a foreign cruise, didn't have a Netflix subscription, or a season ticket to the Nazareth football team. Many of the most godly people in the Bible had very uncomfortable lives indeed. But they had a contentment in God. No matter what our circumstances, we can feel rich and lacking in nothing. It's true, isn't it, that poor people can sometimes be more content than those who are rich. My father was Egyptian and when we went over to Egypt one year to visit our relatives... My dad got chatting to the taxi driver who was about to take us to the pyramids. They got chatting so well that the taxi driver invited him home and us to visit his wife and his children. He took us to his home and this home was on the banks of the Nile. It was a brick house with a dirt floor. And all this man had to give us was sweet tea. But he, in, he gave us hospitality and exuded contentment with his life. To have God as our treasure can bring us more peace and joy and security than money ever could. I heard the Christian speaker and leader and writer Francis Chan talking recently. He was saying that way back in his career, he was earning $36,000 a year and his church offered him a pay rise. He said, well, I don't really need a pay rise. I did okay on, the, on my salary last year, so I don't really need any more this year. Then he went, took a trip to Africa and saw the crisis that was happening in Ethiopia. So he sold his home and moved into a smaller place so that he could give money to help the poor in Ethiopia. Then one year he felt God telling him to give away $50,000. He didn't even earn $50,000 at the time, but he gave away $50,000. The next year, he felt God was telling him to give away $100,000 and manage that. And then the year after that, he felt God was saying to give away a million dollars. And he published a book called Crazy Love, which earned a million dollars in royalties and gave them all away. He was told he was being irresponsible with his future. But he said... I did it because I truly believe that God has provided me for, with what I can give away today and he will provide what I need tomorrow. He felt so rich in Christ that he didn't need a million dollars. He wanted to seek first the kingdom of God, which for him meant going anywhere, doing anything and giving anything that God wanted him to give with the faith that God knew what he needed. How freeing is that, to know God as our treasure, to feel we are lacking nothing, and to do whatever he asks. The more we follow the good shepherd, the more trust and courage we gain. If we know what's good for us, we will follow him wherever he leads, and we will be able to sing a confident song. Shall we just pray to finish? Lord, help us to take in, to absorb, to believe with all our heart 
that you are a good shepherd. That if we have you, we lack nothing that we need. That if you wish us to give, you will supply the resources. That if there is something our family needs, you will provide it. Set us free from worry. Help us to know that we are protected, we are guided, we are loved and known. That the future is only unknown to us. And that you have it all in your hand. Help us to sing that confident song to the world. Help us to live free, free from worry and anxiety, free from the things which would trap us and keep us believing that there are things we cannot do in your strength. Help us to make you our shepherd, to follow you wherever you go. Amen.